You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Director of Strength and Conditioning at LSU, hired by Nick Saban in 2000. Prior to that, he was the head strength coach at the University of Miami for two years under Butch Davis. Prior to Miami, he was the associate head strength coach at the University of Tennessee for four years under John Stuckey and football coach Phil Fulmer. He began his career as a high school strength and conditioning coach, offensive line, wrestling, track and field coach at John Curtis Christian School in New Orleans, Louisiana. He coached in junior college for six years, graduate of Tennessee Technological University with a BS in education and three-year letter winner in football. He's a native of Springfield, Tennessee, a small farming community 30 miles north of Nashville. He has three sons, one a member of the Tiger baseball team, one on the football team and a freshman at Catholic High School, and his wonderful wife's name is Jill. Without further ado, I'm excited to introduce to you Coach Tommy Moffitt. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Thank you very much. Thank Uh, you. This is uh this is an honor honor um, to have you. Thank you. Um, when I reached out to you, you immediately reached back, and um, you know that speaks to to who you are as a person and how you handle your business. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you? Because there's a lot more to you than those few words I just used to describe you in the bio. Well, I, you know, I'm a country boy. I grew up in a small farming community. Um, I grew up uh, in a household. My dad was actually born in the early 1900s. My dad was born before the Great Depression. So uh, I was born late. I was, parents had a bunch of kids. So I kind of was raised in a different generation or by a different generation than all my peers. So I grew up in a household where Hard work was valued. Uh, doing your job right was valued. Uh, manual labor was good for you and nobody was going to die from it. And, you know, so I, I felt like the way I was raised uh, kind of prepared me, you know, for this job and this, uh, you know, this this journey that I've been on, you know, for my life. But um, I, as far as back as I can remember as a kid growing up, all I ever wanted to do was to be around the weight room. And, um, you know, I had older brothers that played sports. And back in the old days, uh, my older brothers would do crazy stuff like one arm barbell snatches and one arm barbell cleans and jerks and bent presses, all the crazy stuff from the old days, you know. And um, so I grew up around the iron game and uh, my high school football coach in 19, you know, I started with my high school coach. It was 1978, I think it was, 78, 79, yeah, 1978. Uh, and then when I went to college, I had a strength coach named Jack Williamson 
who played at Kansas State. And um, Jack made me want to be a strength coach. The energy that he had, the way he approached his day, uh, and the way he communicated with us, he made me want to be a strength coach. And that's all I've ever wanted to do my entire life. And it's the only skill I have. I, other than farming and building fences and maybe putting a roof on a house, I have no other skills. So it's either this or starve. So here we are today. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly certain that you probably have more skills than that. But, no, but, <laughs> um, can you speak, though, to how having such a powerful mentor plays into how you coach the athletes that you coach yeah. now? Because it, it seems to be a common theme with strength coaches that they either had a really good one or knew a really good one or saw what a good strength coach is capable of. And that's why they got into the profession. Yeah. Well, so just the way that Jack carried himself and, and he and I are actually still real good friends and we talk a lot and he's the first person after every game. It doesn't matter. No matter when we play, where we play, who we play. When I get in, when I get in the locker room and get my phone out, he's the first person that sent me a text. It's just the way he approached every training session. You know, he was positive. He was enthusiastic. He was high energy and he focused on the core exercises. We were going to pull squat and press every day. Um, his, you know, our running program back then, when I look at it now, a lot of the stuff that we were doing back then, uh, we still do today. And he was spot on. And so, you know, he, this was back when the National Strength and Condition Association had just gotten started. And I would sit at his desk and I would read his journals and he would come in and smack the fire out of me. Get out of my, you know, get out of my chair. And I would, I would steal him. I would steal his journals and take him back to the room and read him and then try to get him back in his office. So it's just the way he organized his training sessions, the way our days were organized. Everything about him uh, made me want to do what I'm doing today. And, and coach, your reputation um, is vast. I had um, an impromptu meeting with a young man today. He was an offensive lineman um, at Clemson University. And I told him he just wanted to know more about what I do. And I told him, you know, later um, in the evening, I was going to be doing a podcast with coach Tommy Moffitt. Uh, his name is Antoine McLean. Do you know him? Yeah. Yes, I know Antoine. Yeah, so, we, yeah. <laughs> we recruited. We didn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get him, but coach, you got him because yeah. he, he said, "He said, do you understand, um, Coach Moffitt's coaching tree?" He just looked at me. I'm like, "Wow, I'm like, I, I do," but I'm far more impressed that you're impressed by that. Yeah. And and so coach, you you have uh you've been in the game a while and you have made a tremendous impact on our profession. You know, we've we've got a lot of young listeners and I know you're a humble coach. I, you're a humble person, really good coach. But who are some of those people that that are on your coaching tree? Uh, so, um, gosh, it goes back a long time, but the first, the first guy and, and of everybody that's ever worked for us is one of the most impressive coaches. The way he's handled his business is Eric Ciano, 
um, at uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, and so I would say Eric Ciano, of course, Aaron Osmus, Scott Cochran, Vic Valoria, um, uh, Paul Jackson, who just got the job at South Carolina, Jeff Dillman, who was at South Carolina. And the list, there's just so many. I don't even, you know, in fact, no. the recruiting department wanted me to give them a list one time. Um, there's just so many. Travail Gaines, I don't know if you know Travail Gaines. Yes. Uh, yes. Travail was an intern here for a long time, hired him full time. Travail was a great coach and a great intern years and years ago. Oh, Joe Danos. So Joe Danos, well, here's the crazy thing. Joe Danos was was at the New York Giants for, I don't know, probably six or eight years. Joe left, and he's with the new Miami uh, MLS team. But Joe Danos, Vic Valoria, and Scott Cochran were all high school teammates when I was a high school coach at John Curtis. Wow. And so when I got the job here at LSU, you know, this is when, and you you know, you're well aware that string staffs were never as big as they are now back in the old days. And I say old days, 20, 20 some odd years ago. So I called my high school coach and I said, look, I need some guys that know what we're doing. And he gave me a list of names of kids that were in school here at LSU. And I called them up and uh, invited them to come train. So the list is long. There's guys that are coaching in NFL and colleges, assistants. Oh, Ryan Philo, who's at UTSA, uh, is another really good strength coach. Ben Anakione is the head strength coach at Kansas. Eric Donoval. He's the head string coach at Wyoming. Um, and, you know, double A, I coach double A at Tennessee. And uh, so I take full responsibility for him because he's <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the biggest squatter I've ever coached. Um, so it's got to be. But, you, you know, so here's, you know, double A, he, you know, he never hesitates to give me credit for whatever, you know, he, I was able to do for him, but my son is named after Aaron Osmus. Uh, my son that plays football here at LSU, I named him after double a because of everything that he did for me as an athlete. And I've learned from everyone and I learned more from training Aaron than I did any athlete Hmm. ever in my career. Wow. Wow. What, what coach, what were some of those things that you learned from, from double a? Uh, great question. Uh, the thing that I, the thing that I like most about Aaron and we had a bunch of real good throwers when I was there, uh, but Aaron would listen and he would, and, you know, we had throwers that were very opinionated throwers are kind of divas, you know, or some of them are Aaron wasn't, but they always, you know, I'd say, okay, you know, we've got to squat twice a week and we've got to pull twice a week. And they would say, oh, I think I probably all only squat once because I got a throat. But the thing about double A is he would listen to everything that I told him. And then we sat back and then we worked together as a team, Be, you know, and you can look at double A and tell that, you know, training was important to him and he started at a young age. But double A and I learned to, I learned to communicate better with the athlete because of how Aaron and I communicated together. And we would bounce things off of each other. And I remember one day he came, he was frustrated. He said he, his balance was off in the circle. 
And so I got a balance beam. I had the physical plant make us a balance beam. So we would do stuff off the balance beam. And, you know, it's just archaic stuff back in the day, but it really helped me to learn to communicate with my athletes, to sit down and listen to what they felt and what they thought the, the result of, you know, the, the training day and how it made him feel and how his recovery felt. And that was the biggest thing. Coach, can you speak on learning from athletes that win a national championship? It's quite a unique position to be in. And, you know, obviously something that we would all be lucky enough in our lives to experience, but you just coming off of it, the experience is fresh. Are there a few things that you can share with us and our listeners about that experience, um, specifically like you were talking about learning from the athletes in this case? Yeah. Well, the thing that I learned, the resiliency from this team was just unbelievable. Uh, Their level of focus, their level of focus uh, to be able to come over here every day and, you know, training for that level of play and practicing for that level in play, that level of play is hard. It is so hard. And every day they came over here and unselfishly gave us everything. They checked their feelings, their exhaustion and their injury at the door. And no matter what we asked them to do, they did it. And uh, so having a son on the team is really helpful. Um, and, you know, I don't ask him about stuff that goes on. I'm afraid to know what goes on when they after they leave here. <laughs> but I would <laughs> I would ask him, say, hey, um, you know, how's the team feel? Uh, what's the pulse of the team? And he would say, dad, all we want to do is play. And I would, you know, I'd try to pry a little bit, you know, not too much because you have to separate the dad from the coach. And that's the hardest thing in the world for me to do. And, uh, but he would say, dad, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we play, when we play, where we play, if it's raining or snowing, or if you've got us in here, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do because all we want to do is play. And these guys, the resiliency, because it's a grind, man. And I don't like that term, grind, but it was. You know, we we played 15 games. Now, the off, the off weeks that we had were perfect. We played four games, we were off. We played four games, and we were off. And then we had to play. We finished the season with Alabama. After, this was after the second off week. We played Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M. And then we had to go to Georgia to play. Uh, we had to go to Atlanta to play UGA in the SEC Championship. And right when you're on a roll, and you can't be playing any better. We took three weeks off, right? you know, before the bowl game. And then we had to go play OU. And every game, those guys, they were able to get it up, and man, and just and just go out there and play and lay their hearts on the line. And then after the OU game, we had another two weeks off. And uh, we came back to Baton Rouge, went right back in the gym here and trained, uh, that was our last week. Uh, the first off week, uh, the first week we had off before the championship. And then the last week, you know, we didn't train that last week before the uh, championship game, but it was just the resiliency that when you make your mind up and you feel so strongly about something, it's amazing what the human, the human mind and the human body can do. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business, 
responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. I agree, Coach, 100%. What do you attribute that to? I, I know Coach O is is an awesome yeah. person and, and a good leader for you guys. What is it that transpired in the locker room that led to that team being so resilient? I think, first off, it was just having a unique uh, collection of tough, gritty guys that – that are highly competitive, highly competitive. These guys compete at every little stupid game you could imagine on the bus. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter if it's PlayStation. They, they're competitors. Every drill is like a championship. And so that was the main thing, just having tough, competitive, greedy kids. And, um, and of course, Coach O, uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, he is, um, one of the most positive, enthusiastic, energetic people or coach I've ever been around. And he lives his life, um, just like he coaches. He is, he is so positive and so outgoing and he uh, truly loves these kids. He's also very patient. Highly organized, highly intelligent, and um, you know just his daily energy. And I, I'm a big believer. So my dad, I, I learned this from my dad a long time ago. He would always say, "Actions trigger, trigger feelings, like feelings trigger actions. Negative feelings yield negative results. Positive feelings yield positive results." You know this because I grew up in a family with a bunch of kids, and we'd fight all the time. You know, and. Uh, so he would say, you know, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Well, Coach O is the solution to everything. And he calculates an attitude that he wants our team to have. And he comes in the door every morning with that attitude. He begins every day with prayer and he finishes every day with prayer. And in everything between it is 150 miles an hour. Wow. And you can hear him coming down the hallway. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it, it, and it's unbelievable to be a part of someone like that. And his attitude permeates through the entire organization, the training room, the equipment room. Cause I've been through, you know, I've been through a few different head coaches here and, and you sit back and watch and you listen to the people in the equipment room and the training room and the janitorial staff and, like the, the, the gentleman who cleans our weight room floor every morning, Coach O comes in here every day and he can't believe how beautiful this floor is. And when he sees Mr. Leroy, he compliments Mr. Leroy on how beautiful this weight room floor is. And that's powerful. And that goes beyond X's and O's. And uh, that's the main thing. And did you find, is it contagious? I mean, with someone oh. with as big as that personality, I mean, other people, then it, it trickled down throughout the entire team. Yeah. And staff and- 
Exactly. And you can't help but be positive when he's around you. And, you know, when so if you're in someone's office and that guy's having a bad day and he's loaded up with work, you know, he'll sit and complain for a minute. And then you can hear Coach O coming down the hallway and that attitude changes immediately. (laughs) And, And it's by and some of it, I think a vast majority of it is by design because he's just so and that's how he lives his life. Wow. Wow. That's that's really that's awesome. That's inspiring. I've heard stories about um, coaches that that have that sort of personality and they bring that personality and and how that filters down. I've I've got a little bit of experience of of, um, training with the championship team. I spent a little bit of time with the Denver Broncos. And when you what you were describing with your players that compete at every little stupid drill. That is what my impression is of championship teams. That's right. That is. It's a mindset. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. And, and it's probably a DNA trait. Hmm. It probably goes as deep as someone's DNA uh, because some, you know, and you've been around them and we have a team full of guys that are like that. And did you, well, sorry, coach, didn't mean to cut you off. Um, Did you find it more in the seniors taking on that leadership role or was it just, I mean, across the board, you just, this was a a happening where this team came together and you have all these competitors. Yeah. Well, no, it started, uh, it started, you know, when coach O took over as the team, you know, took over as the head coach for our team, it started. And then, you know, we have a lot of character kids and we, you know, LSU and Coach O and everyone here is a big believer in recruiting kids with great character. And uh, through the selection process, we strive to get great character kids. And that helps a lot. And so, you know, we had Devin White last year and we our two probably our two best leaders last year besides Joe Burrow was uh, Devin White and uh, Foster Morrow. You know, Devin plays for the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Foster is a tight end for the uh, for the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders, whoever they are now. And they they were great leaders um, and. And the way Coach O does everything, uh, the way our team meeting room is, the guys that sit on the front row in front of him are the older players and the strongest leaders sit in the middle. And then he ranks you uh, on that first row. And then you have, you know, and that will be your seniors or your juniors that are very good leaders, a few juniors, but mainly seniors. And then the freshmen are sitting on the very back row in the team meeting room. And, um, and as you, as your career goes here, you move closer to that front line. And we have guys that tell me that coach, I'm on that back row, but when, and I'm on the outside of that back row, but by the time I'm a senior, I'm going to be sitting right in front of coach up. And so he, that, I think that plays a huge role, um, in part of his, um, leadership development is where the guy sit in the team meeting room and the way the, everything he does is to um, is to uh, uh, to grow that that leadership and and have it flourish throughout everyone because you know it as good as we are 
and I don't mean that in a bad way, as successful as we've been, we lose a lot of juniors to the NFL. Mm-hmm. So our, our leaders are sophomores. When they become juniors, the vast majority of the leaders that we have on our team are really juniors and they're third, they're third year juniors, not second. I mean, uh, not fourth year juniors. A lot of our guys don't get redshirted because the, you know, guys leaving early kills us. So a lot of, we don't get really seniors. Uh, we don't have that many because of the NFL. So that leadership has to be developed from day one when they come here as freshmen, because they're probably only going to be here three years before they leave. Wow. And and coach, before we started recording the podcast, you and I, we were talking about the schedule of when the national championship game was. And I asked you, coach, when did, when did school start? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the championship game was on uh, January 13th and that was our first day of class. Uh, so the guys had study hall the night of the 14th. And then the next day we left, I think it was the next day we all showed up for a team meeting and flew to DC to go to the White House and meet the president. So, uh, it was a busy week. Busy, busy week. I remember flying back from DC. All I wanted to do was go to bed. I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want anything to eat. I just wanted to go home and go to sleep. So then with everything that happens after winning the national championship game, are there kind of unintended challenges that come then with starting to plan for this coming year? Uh, I think so. And I, you know, Coach O has talked about that with the staff and with our players. Um, but I think also, uh, the discretionary weeks. So our guys, so we had a week off and they call it a week off, but it wasn't. So we played on Monday night. And then when we got back, you know, we had a school started. Um, we had to go to the White House. Uh, we came back, we had a parade on campus, like a Mardi Gras type parade across campus where there must, there must have been a hundred thousand people that it had to have been a hundred thousand wow. people. Yeah. And we, yeah, it was crazy. And so, um, in fact, our, our assembly center where we play basketball holds 15,000 and they had to turn people. So we finished, we had a parade around campus and then we finished in the, uh, in the assembly center. And when we, when we walked in, it was packed. It looked like game day outside. And by the time we got into the assembly center, it was packed. They had to turn people away. There was no room for another person. There had to have been 100,000 people on campus that day. So then we had our two discretionary weeks, which we're in our second week of the discretionary week. So I think there's been enough time away from everything that it, you know, the players have, uh, have adjusted to the stardom and all the hoopla and, you know, coach O talked about it in the team meeting. We had a team, uh, team meeting for academics and all that stuff on Monday. That was the first time uh, this week that everyone's gotten back together and academics came in and talked about everyone's schedule. So here we are in the third week of school and we're just now having in Y'all know, I mean, you're both former college or Pat, you're still involved in it. So, you know, when as soon as the semester starts, you go right back into the academics and you talk about the trainer gets up and talks about physicals and all that. And we're in the third week of school and we're just now talking about that, you know. So I think with all the stuff that's been going on, we've put that behind us. You know, it's 
it's time to move on. We have no other choice but to move on because it's the SEC and we'll get punched right in the mouth. <laughs> we, you know, we, we, we play Texas. I think we play Texas the second game of the season next year. So we better put it behind us because if we don't, we'll get punched right in the mouth. You've got the target, Coach. You definitely have the target. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I know with the experience that you have and um, what what you are all about and the, the respect that you have with your players, um, you all will definitely figure it out, get it dialed back in, and reset. And um, what what focus do you have for your own, for you, for Coach Moffitt. Yeah. Well, I'm going back to square one, man. So, you know, we're going, we're developing strength. Uh, the base of the athletic pyramid, we're going back to the squat rack. That's what I've got for him on Monday. Uh, some heavy pulls and squats. And, uh, you know, all I can do is focus on the focus uh, and do my job and, um, and our to make sure that our st- staff is dialed in and ready to go. And we're going back to square one. In fact, we're going to have a, we have some good experience on the team uh, coming back, but we're also going to be very young in some positions. And, you know, we've got some big guys that's got to lose weight and some small guys that's got to gain weight and we've got to get stronger. Uh, we've got to be better lifters. Um, so we got a lot of work to do. We've got, you know, you know how it is after a long season. You've got guys that's got to rehab this and that. So uh, we've got too much too much work that has to be done to sit and rest on our laurels. I understand, coach, and and the farmer in you, you know that if you don't if you don't put the work in, you can't reap the harvest. That's amen. <laughs> so, coach, we, amen. we we appreciate you. Thank you for being on. Um, I know you you. Um, you have a presence in social media. Where can our listeners uh, find you? Social media. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, I, li- I like Twitter a lot. Uh, it's Tommy Moffitt at Tommy Moffitt. Uh, a lot of it's a lot of his family stuff, um, but it's at Tommy Moffitt, which family is huge. That should be the most important thing. Yeah. And then uh, we have our LSU strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter page and then on Instagram. I love Instagram, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't really uh, post much stuff on Instagram. Uh, but I really like Instagram too. So it's at Tommy Moffat on Instagram okay. too. Absolutely. Well, Coach, thank you for your time. I appreciate you so much. You are um, one of those guys I look at and um, say, you know, you're the light of the profession. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good off season. We'll be watching and uh, have a good night. Thank you, uh, Pat, for having me on. And thank you, McKenzie. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.